Welcome to today's episode of The Growth Zone. I am Christian Bartsch. What is the core benefit of listening to this show? Business leaders in corporate and privately held companies gain insights into trends and strategies that provide them with a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Each episode focuses on areas such as marketing, sales, innovation, or funding that is absolutely critical to the growth of companies, whether they are startups or corporate global players. Where management needs to juggle the challenges of market entries or knowing how to navigate the uncertainty of disruptive developments, mind feeding is where clarity evolves and helps solving organizational challenges. For those who listen to the entire episode, I have a special surprise gift. I'm also working on some great guests that are industry leaders in management, innovation, and marketing. And we will be talking in the future much more about the important trends that are affecting the way we manage our companies in the demand to being sustainable, more environmentally and socially friendly, and becoming more empathic leaders. So let's get started on today's topic. Hello, and in this episode, we are going to talk about cyber attacks, which are costing businesses and consumers millions of dollars each year through ransomware, data breaches, and stolen funds. So how do we prevent this? Investing? I'll be talking with Brian Kodana on this topic. So Brian, it's great to have you here on our show. And before we get started, I think it would be great if you could maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. Hi, Christian. Thank you for having me on. And so just a, a quick bio, I guess I could share. I'm a financial advisor, a certified financial planner by trade. I founded my firm, Kaderna Financial Team, in 2008. Uh, so we do wealth management, investing, insurance uh, for small business owners and high net worth clients around the country, uh, being the U.S., and I'm also an author. I have three books. The most recent is called What Should I Do With My Money? Economic Insights to Build Wealth Amid Chaos, uh, which was just published last month by McGraw-Hill. And I'm also the host of the Kaderna podcast, in which I discuss wealth in its original meaning, which I define as a state of well-being. And that's a little bit about me. Great. I just looked up as well um, your book, and it was literally great. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm going to add it as well into the description of this podcast episode. So everybody who would like to have a peek at it um, can easily find it. I'm adding as well the ISBN code if you are not going to Amazon, but nevertheless. So let's have a look a little bit deeper. We, we've heard everywhere from the news and so on, cyber attacks and hacks and companies being hacked, governments being hacked and, and consumers. And whether it's ransomware or people just trying to steal data create havoc, um, and we have all sorts of different things happening around the world where people are 
let's say, fighting each other in the cyber world, uh, cyber warfare and all these different things. But in the end, it I think it does affect financially as well businesses and as well consumers all around the world, whether we are in, in Europe or in Asia or in USA, Canada, Mexico, South America, wherever, it doesn't matter. Uh, we are such an interconnected world where one place, something happens, and in the end, it does affect everybody else. And exactly. so, Brian, what have you made out of all your research and all the things that have been going about the last few years uh, that got you to, yep. uh, so, let's say, well, write that book? <laughs> sure, yeah. So, you know, the book, a lot of people think, oh, it's called What Should I Do With My Money? You know, obviously, mm -hmm. it's a personal finance book. It's actually more economic insights and, and looking at mm -hmm. the interplay between macroeconomies being governments, large corporations, just the environment that we live in today, and then microeconomies, which is our lives, our, our personal balance sheet, our household finances, our small business, and the like. And so that that's pretty much the angle I attacked the book and a lot of my research over the past few years from. Now, where technology found its way right into the center of this conversation is a few years ago, you may recall our Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, was on 60 Minutes, and he said the number one threat to our economy today is cyber. And I find that very ironic that this was right before inflation reared its ugly head and became you know public enemy number one for the Fed. And then, of course, we've seen what inflation has done across the world and then how we've had to react here in the States with rising interest rates and combating inflation and then the damage it did to the stock and the bond market. So it, it, the point I'm making is just to put the context there that all anyone can think about is our economy and inflation and, and what's going on with you know uh, supply and demand. Yet right before all of that happened, kind of the guru of finance, our Fed chairman said the number one threat is cyber. And so as I was right in the, in the heart of writing my novel, at that time, um, I said, you know what, that's exactly right. You know, tech invades every aspect of our lives and it truly does connect all of us around the world. And so that's why I did put a chapter in my book uh, just called Tech. And we start to explore, you know, the impact that that has on finances, big and small. And it truly is eye opening, which I'm sure we can get into today. Exactly. I uh, absolutely agree because uh, even if you compare a friend of mine who travels back and forth between Germany and Canada and USA, uh, he even recently told me when he was in the countryside in, in Canada, an outback of Canada, if you can call it outback, um, he usually went to his uh, usual store where he went just to buy butter, eggs and something. And in the end, he paid three times what he usually would do. He would maybe spend for a nice week, maybe 20 $20 on the same stuff. He bought exactly the same stuff, $60. And the craziness, it's it's everywhere, in US or Germany, UK, and so on. Like, for instance, uh, butter. Butter eventually became so expensive that like was three times the price. Now, yeah. just yeah. last week, the usually most expensive butter here, for instance, Germany, the most expensive butter that you see usually in the shelves pre-pandemic was always Kerrygold. Beautiful butter, nice and soft and everything. But it was always the most expensive thing. Something where you, of course, you say, okay, I'll treat myself to this. I don't need it, but I'll treat myself. Now, the funny thing, or let's say the surreal 
situation is that is now the cheapest butter. German butter costs now three times more the price than Kerrygold. And that's insane. The wow. same thing if you go to the UK and so on. There are different products that are totally uh, upside down the price. But I think, wait a minute, why is this more expensive now than the other one? It makes no sense. Canada, yep. USA, I'm sure have the same insanity. Yeah, that's that's economics. And so with it to, to introduce tech and some of the concepts that I have in my book, um, there's two angles that I approach it from. One, and I won't give away everything in the book, but mm-hmm. an overarching theme is what I call mice. Okay. And, and mice is something that I got when I was actually in high school. I was reading a book on the CIA, the Central mm-hmm. Intelligence Agency, and their spies and how their spies were trained to go invade, you know, you know, nefarious organizations or foreign governments and really how they got behind enemy lines. And what they were taught was to use MICE, which stands for money, ideology, compromise, and ego. Mm. And so these were the four motives that they found that every human being possesses them and and they drive their decision-making process. So I said, okay, I'm going to essentially overlay mice on my economic studies. And the reason I bring that up to tech is then we say, okay, as we dive into the world of technology, ultimately, what is the goal of technology? And the goal, I believe, is somewhat obvious, is to make everything faster. All right. So whether it's lines of communication, whether it's transactions and moving money around the world, whether it be travel you know, our work, Zoom meetings, this podcast that we're doing right now, how can we do things faster and through a path of least resistance? And again, all within the context of mice, you know, why are we using technology? Why are we using these tools? It's either for money to pursue some ideology, to satisfy some compromise with the other side, or to placate our own ego, whether that might be likes on Instagram or mm. you know, sharing a story on TikTok or whatever it could be, and so it, it, that without giving too much of the book away, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Is you know where mice folds into economies, and then how technology has just made our world move at warp speed, and and not to go on too long, but what I just want to say, and, and I'm happy to answer a lot of questions and stuff about this, but the chapter introduces four applications of technology. All right. And those four applications are mind persuasion, computer mind manipulation, anonymity, and then tech parts, the actual items, the actual raw materials that go into creating the technology that we all enjoy today. And so those four applications of technology are really what are guiding the industry, which is one of the most impactful industries in the entire global economy. Yeah, that's that's true. Because um, just look at even at the damages that happen. You can use cybersecurity insurance and that, but it still won't cover all the damages when you look at that, for instance. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I can go get a a cybersecurity insurance policy maybe for a million dollars or two million Mm dollars. But when you talk about a colonial pipeline or uh, you know one of these huge attacks, where now we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. It, that is almost inconceivable for an insurance company, okay? And that's where you need a government backstop. And a lot of you know what I researched as well is y- y- there's a lot of uh, correlations to healthcare. 
you know, where when we look at healthcare, at least how it works here in, in America, is it's not socialized, but it's not completely privatized. It's kind of this blend of a private public partnership where we say, okay, you know, the, the, the general public needs to have skin in the game to ensure themselves to take care of themselves. But we also need the government through Medicare, Medicaid and the like uh, in Obamacare, you know, to plug a lot of these gaps and some of these extreme costs. And I think that's what you're going to see start to unfold more and more around the world of technology, where you say, okay, you know, we can cover, you know, the guy that gets into your Facebook account, steals your identity, gets your credit card and racks up $30,000 of charges. And we can have measures to go recoup that money. But what about when Target gets hacked and they still, you know, a million customers' identities, and then perhaps they use ransomware and all these other, you know, applications so that they can steal, you know, tens of millions of dollars and beyond. Now it becomes harder just for a private entity to address that concern. And so I think in as it grows more and more complex, and as we get into crypto and a lot of the uses there there needs to be government involvement and there needs to be a baseline, in my opinion, uh, where companies can offer the same level of security as, you know, different, uh, you know, government agencies would be able to provide. Exactly. And that's a, but often then it's a problem. You haven't got enough staff to do it. You, you haven't getting the, the right people who can have the skills, let's say, to do all these different things. So even if you just look at cybersecurity, you need to have people who have got the right knowledge. You can't exactly. just go to university, uh, get a degree and say, hey, now I can do this and this. And then the hacker comes. And, and that's always what I always uh, enjoy sort of telling sometimes some university professors say, hey, uh, how many of your students, including yourself, would you actually be able to uh, defend yourself against a hacker? Most of the hackers don't have university degrees. They have no PhDs, no professor titles. They haven't even seen a university from inside. But they get past all your security systems, all your student security systems, and so on, and ask, what are you not educating your people on? It's obviously something missing out, and that's exactly. When you think of it, there are organizations as well in the US that train their people quite well, and they're able to defend themselves. But it's not the regular education system. Exactly, mm-hmm. and and that comes back to mm-hmm. some of the uh, the motives again of, of what I go back to that mice mm-hmm. and the first letter in mice being M yeah. for money. That's something yeah. that these hackers, yes, they may have some ideology. Perhaps they want to take down some organization they disagree with or, or something mm-hmm. to that effect. But usually the tool is always money. They want to get money as criminals or they want to mm-hmm. cause financial harm to that other company, uh, which could eventually take them down. Yeah. So I think that you know money kind of invades everything. If you follow the dollars, that explains a lot. And to what mm-hmm. you were just saying, you know, where you could have somebody, you know, a, a kid in their basement on their parents' computer you know, hacking into the U.S. government um, and you're like, how is that possible? You know, how do we keep up with with all these threats out there? Uh, I just had a gentleman on my podcast the other day and we were talking about the drug trade and how it, it seems like something that will always have this war on drugs, but it's something that we can never really get ahead of or we can never beat because it's like that game whack-a-mole where you take one out and then two more pop up to fill that void. And where we want to go about our lives and, 
you know, grow our business and take care of our families and protect ourselves and be smart and so on. These nefarious individuals or organizations over there, they might be spending every waking hour saying, how can we kind of get through your gate and, and penetrate your system? And it, it's it's hard to put up enough firewalls to constantly protect yourself. And so that's why I said it, it seems like there does need to be a public-private partnership uh, where it's just like going into a parking garage and saying, okay, I can park my car here at the airport and I know I'm going to be safe for the next week. You know, a business owner needs to be able to have that same level of security or they're going to be hesitant to, to, you know, really use that entrepreneurial spirit and strike out on their own. If they say there's these certain threats out there, I can't keep up with. And, you know, that can have really far reaching economic impact. Yeah, and especially when you think of it nowadays, most of the business is happening online. And I, I don't necessarily mean that people actually physically buy online, but uh, every company has their products, their business, everything kind of information out there in the internet. And of course, we are using emails, we're using all sorts of other things. We have maybe chat systems, all sorts of stuff, social media, everywhere where we're practically being exposed to threats where people can find some weakness, something is not said, there's some vulnerability, a WordPress plugin or any other little screen uh, thing that just messes up our day. And then you're just busy trying to put out fires. And exactly. your original daily plan has gone out of the window. Yep. Yeah. Lost the whole week. Exactly. And, and a lot of these threats that you think about, it's it, you, while certainly lots of times it is that, kind of genius in the garage working from their parents' computer, that that type of, um, mm. you know, image that we like to portray sometimes of like, how did they how did they do it through their crazy algorithms and technologies and the like. But the other thing that happens is just the the advantages, like I said, uh, that technology brings to the table of speed and about doing mm. everything quicker and faster. Well, that's an incredible advantage. It also poses an incredible threat. And I think mm -hmm. we just saw that firsthand here with the failure last week of SVB, of Silicon mm -hmm. Valley Bank. This was the yep. largest bank collapse since 2008 and one of the largest bank collapses in history. And so you ask, how did it happen? Number one, all of the deposits that were with SVB, or almost all the deposits, were in the tech community. So it was either from tech companies or from venture capitalists who specialized in tech. So they had a very niche client base that was extremely wealthy, uh, being you know much of the tech sector in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And so that's where a lot of the money came from in this bank. And then what happened? So last Wednesday, SVB needed to shore up their books. So they needed, needed to raise $2 billion of capital. So mm -hmm. once the word got out there, it, this in and of itself was not a big issue. This was something the bank had to do. Uh, banks are struggling with now higher interest rates because of a lot of their bond holdings or treasury holdings are worth less than they once were because the rates went up so quickly. So what happened, they said, we need to raise $2 billion of capital. Not a big deal. We could do that. But then the word got out that they were doing this. And then quickly, two of the largest venture capital consultants, who were also clients of this bank, immediately through their channels, uh, which were almost like private forums and emails to all these other clients of the bank, said, pull your deposits now. 
SVB is not going to be solvent. And just them sending out those emails, it was able to kind of ignite this fire where all of their clients in this very niche industry hit the panic button. And now what happened, because again, thanks to technology, it wasn't like they went to the bank and said, can I take out my $10 million deposit? No, they can literally go on their phone and you can transfer money in five seconds from one account to another. And that's what happened. And then before you know it, from Wednesday night to Thursday morning, you were witnessing a literal bank run that literally happened overnight. And then by Friday, the US government had to come in and shut down the bank because the position had gotten so dire for them. And Mm. I think that just shows a lot of people when they think tech and what are the threats, we think of cybersecurity like we were talking about. Certainly that's a huge one. But then you also think about just kind of the speed of a rumor, of a, a, a just a negative thought and how it can just catch like fire that moves too quickly and you, know, you can't keep up with it. And then boom, we have a bank collapse like we just saw. Yeah. And, and when you think the email is so easier, um, I think it was yesterday I had a call with a financial business. I had the problems with the emails and set the mail servers properly. And I explained to them, I can practically send an email in, on your behalf to your colleagues and tell them that you're giving out a, a round of beer and everybody should um, collect at the ground floor at the bar. And everybody then will complain to uh, to the person that, uh, where is she? She should come down and, and uh, pay for the beer. <laughs> and they say, oh, I wouldn't like that. Exactly. That's why fix the problem very quickly. <laughs> but these are the things. People don't don't take the time to look at these things. And then later on, it happens. Yeah. It could have even been totally fake. Theme. It would have crashed uh, that bank without any problem. Yeah. Yep. It can yeah. happen to any small business. Small business, let's say uh, you go and send an email that uh, a certain supplier is obviously not able to, to supply or something, and then the companies go and uh, cancel all the orders immediately. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is um, – that's the modern world that we live in. You see it in everything from business, like we're discussing, to politics, where a rumor gets out. And again, now it's it's not like it was generations ago where you tell a couple friends. <clears throat> now it finds its way onto the internet. Everybody and their brother knows about it. And it's like the damage is done. And you see that a lot in politics. You see it in entertainment, you know, in, in a lot of public industries where then all of a sudden we find out, oh, that was just a story. There wasn't really truth to that. Someone made that up and then someone else validated it and then it went out to the world. And so then what do we do? We come out with, you know, kind of an apology campaign. We were wrong. We shouldn't have said that. It wasn't completely accurate. Well, guess what? The damage is done. You know, over the the past week, you know, a billion people saw this story about some famous figurehead uh, that was very negative, very uh, inciting. And it, all the damage is done. And then you go back afterwards and, and maybe a thousand people see that you're apologizing or even care about it. And uh, th- these are the things that you just have to be worried about with technology. And Exactly. Yeah, things are going so fast and you, have, you haven't really a chance to um, really react or correct as quickly as possible. Yeah. Especially as well, yeah. misinformation is a perfect tool nowadays uh, to even to crash any competitor or something. Sure. If you have, a, let's say, a dishonest competitor and you decide uh, this dishonest competitor decides to kick you out of the market or 
or tell everybody to say your airbags are blowing up and so on and your car breaks down and they go and, f and fire, then uh, of course everybody says, oh, this company, their cars go on fire and everybody who meets and if you own that car, everybody says, but are you not afraid of your car going on fire and so on? And then exactly yeah. that uh, rather nasty competitor then actually suddenly has a problem that their own cars go on fire. <laughs> and then that's a problem. Uh, and you see it in other different uh, industries and so on. It's, it's not just automotive, uh, everywhere. It's yeah. unbelievable. And that's where, um, you know, like I, I talk a lot about financial literacy and economic literacy. That's why I wrote the book that I did. Uh, again, what should I do with my money? But in regards to tech and in that chapter, what I really champion is an, an urge and a want to see more computer literacy. And I think that that's something that should be, um, you know, across the board for, for kids that are growing up in, in schools around the world. They should have some knowledge on computer literacy. And I go, I talk a lot about this, that if you look at the curriculum today that kids are learning from, that my kids are learning, you look at the curriculum that I learned about when I was their age, and then you looked at the curriculum that my parents learned when they were teenagers. It's not all that different. You know, you're learning a lot of your core subject of math, language arts, you know, some basics of science, some history, important things. But you look at over, you know, three generations, the way that our world has changed, it's night and day. It's an entirely new universe. And so I feel like we always lag a little bit where now we're starting to see more financial literacy, which I'm really happy about, but we're not seeing a lot of tech literacy. And I think that both from just the actual use of like the STEM subjects and computer coding, uh, things like that are great, but also the real basics. And so that goes back to what I reference in my book, the four applications. So you have mind persuasion. Okay, and what mind persuasion is are, are these companies out there, these enormous companies with billion-dollar, you know, checking accounts that can create this these algorithmic guided marketing plans where they suck up all of this data and they get to learn you and they know where you go, what you click on, what sites you go to, when you log on, what videos you're watching, how long you watch them for. And they really get to kind of uh, put together a profile of like your, your technology avatar, if you will. And then they can use pinpoint accuracy for marketing, which is in essence kind of a form of mind persuasion. So it's not like generations ago where there was just a big billboard out there and you drive by it on the highway and maybe some people cared, other kids could care less if they saw it. Now, you know, you can go on to Snapchat or to TikTok or Facebook or whatever it might be, and you're just getting inundated with these messages, uh, which some of them might be good. You know, it, it might help you get to that product that you want quicker and, and it's got its novel use. And some of them, of course, could be negative. And I think especially when you speak about youth and, and what they're seeing in social media, it's scary in how powerful it is. And so uh, mind persuasion, I just think that there should almost be a course or a, a part of the curriculum, just educating people on, on what's out there. Uh, computer mind manipulation is the second one. Mm. What that is, is AI. All right. So this is now where we're actually teaching the computers what to think and what to do. And you're seeing a ton about this with chat GPT, things like that, that I've written articles on. 
Uh, you, you hear a lot about black boxes, um, which is is kind of a scary thing. It's when you create, you know, the AI, and then as its its uh, intelligence is increasing, it can start to reach areas or results. And then the, the creators, the humans behind it, don't even know how it got there. And it's almost like they can't unwind it. And that's where AI can almost get out of reach of what we created it for. And then the last two that I mentioned were on an anonymity. All right. So it's, it's harder to stay private in today's world. But for criminals, it can be easier to stay private. They're not walking into a bank personally with a mask on. They can be 10,000 miles away around the globe on their laptop, you know, under some pseudonym that you can't even track trying to steal your bank account. And then finally, you have the tech parts, which, uh, you know, I think is is key. And you're seeing this firsthand with what's going on with uh, the U.S., China and Taiwan with the semiconductors and the microchips. And and it was not all that different from a couple of years ago when COVID happened. And you said, all right, what's the antidote for COVID? Where are we going to get these vaccines? Where are the raw materials coming from? And now we talk about technology. Where do the raw materials for tech come from? All right. China has five times more high tech exports than the U.S. does. All right. It, so it's they are, are way ahead of the curve in a lot of regards in regards to this uh, super high tech, uh, you know, materials that they're trying to use and take over that those commodities um, to build really a new form of wealth. And so I think those four applications, again, mind persuasion, computer mind manipulation, anonymity, and tech parts, we need to get familiar with them or else we're going to be behind the eight ball. Yeah, that's true. Because when you look at even the simplest thing nowadays, now at the moment, there's a obviously a whether it's ransomware or whatever campaign behind it, people are getting now uh, emails apparently from Facebook that uh, some person uh, reported the, um, the Facebook page and it's got blocked or whatever, and then you have to click on a button and so on. And they usually push it. And then when you uh, go, if you hover with your mouse over the name Facebook at the top in your from, um email client, then you will see, of course, uh, that it's not actually coming from Facebook. It's coming some from some website or some email domain somewhere in, at the moment, it's Japan. I don't know why. Uh, I suppose uh, the usual proxy game of uh, the criminals, they don't need to be publicly visible. They use a proxy to redirect their attacks uh, onto people in, in the Western world. Um yeah, and that's the thing. When you think of it, for instance, we are now both talking about stuff in the public, talking about your books and other kind of things and so on. And at the same time, the criminals don't need to have publicity. They might even, and sometimes they might even benefit through the publicity that others do for them without them asking. Like uh, telling exactly. people, oh, they, you you need to pay them the ransom because otherwise you lose your money and so your data and so on and so on. And others say no, and the people are scared and they're confused. And then you don't know which narrative to trust and what does the mind do. It just follows the simplest way. Yep, exactly. Exactly right. So I think that's where everybody just needs to be a critical thinker. I think there can be some more education around the subjects and uh you know, the, the uninformed are the ones that are ripe to be taken advantage of. Just like you mentioned with those emails. <clears throat> I mean, I get 
I get five of them a day. I even get the text messages now that are allegedly from Facebook or Amazon, you know, and they can look realistic. Oh, click here to verify this order or whatever. And then before you know it, you know, you're, you're downloading a virus um, and things like that, that they, when you send that out to a thousand people, it's almost like when you do an email newsletter, if you can just get a couple clicks, that's great. It's the same thing for the criminals where if just a couple people are not paying attention um, or, or they get actually baited in and they click these things, now all of a sudden, you know, it, it opens up, you know, the wasp's nest. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, th- I think yeah. There's, <laughs> there's so much here to talk about on tech. Yeah, and the same thing as well with all these scammer call centers in certain countries who then call pe- old people. They, they they simply go by the um, phone directory, look for old-fashioned names, first names, and then immediately know, okay, this person can be from this to this uh, age group perfect target they'll get easily confused so they'll target of course people beyond 60 easy way to get the money or the target certain people who in certain areas will think okay they have no tech literacy they don't know this don't know that and they'll just get them to hand over all the let's say the savings and that um yeah and it's partly as well through lack of technology education economics and other kind of things Yep. Yeah. Hmm. So I hope your book will help people as well to clear a bit of the chaos as well that sometimes might be in their minds when they're not sure what to do in certain situations. Yeah, I think that's the big thing is just stay informed. That's really the, the purpose of my book. You have 250 pages there. It's almost like a sledgehammer of economic information and ways to just enhance your decision-making and and thought processes so that you can be a critical thinker and a critical decision-maker in a lot of ways. And and really to increase your wealth, which I always say it's a state of well-being. You know, how do you do that? Think about mice. You know, I I like these acronyms because I think it simplifies (laughs) things. You know, how are you addressing your money issues? What's your ideology? You know, your guiding light that that you want to follow? What's the impact you're having? And then compromising with those around you and then controlling your ego. And and if we can do all of those things, uh, I think that's where we can find that nice balance in in life that we're all searching for. So hopefully my book can do that. And, um, you know, I think it'll just uh, also give a lot of context. You know, we have a uh, I think a lot of us kind of fall prey to living right here in the moment you know, which is, is normal. You know, we want to stay in the present and and we're getting it just blasted with info daily. But a lot of my book, we do a lot of historical, uh, insights and and we start to realize, you know, over the thousands of years of mankind, we've always had just kind of the same motives, the same urges, the same problems in a lot of regards. Uh, so I, I think, you know, once we start to realize that, uh, and, and that if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, and that when new things come about, new technologies or now cryptocurrency, um, you know, just to take things in stride, don't resist everything, but it's okay to question everything and, and, you know, at least get comfortable with what's out there because as a financial advisor, that's where I see a lot of mistakes happen, uh, and not to get on my soapbox here, but you know, a lot of people, they, they feel like they're overwhelmed with this information or they're overwhelmed with the current economy. So either A, they throw their hands in the air and they say, I give up. You know, I'll just, I'll follow the latest fad. I'll do what everybody else is doing. 
And then usually that's where you can find a lot of financial harm. Or they might say on the flip side, I want to know everything about everything. And then they can drive themselves crazy and have, you know, paralysis by analysis, trying to learn every nook and cranny uh, as they resist every advancement in our economy. So we need to find that happy medium there. And I hope that that's what my book helps a lot of people do. Yeah, I think so too, because uh, I just want, um, I just wanted to mention as well that uh, I saw that your book is as well available as not only as uh, paperback, but it's as well as uh, on Kindle and Audible. I just checked out, which yep. is a great thing because I personally, I sometimes in evenings like to listen to audiobooks because uh, in the evenings I'm sometimes too tired to read, but in the mornings I like reading. So in the evening I always have a, I listen to a different uh, book. And, and what I enjoy is usually listening as well to the, uh, the the author. When the author has spoken, it's of course great because sometimes you get some extra insights. And uh, um, Did you record the audio yourself or um, do you have somebody speaking for you in the book? Yeah, that's that's a, a funny that you bring that up. You know, I would have been willing actually to uh, narrate my book, um, mm -hmm. but my publisher McGraw Hill. What happens is they're a huge international company, of course, yeah. and they sell the rights to the book in different formats. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, to different arms of their own company, whether it's to you know the Japanese division of McGraw Hill or wherever yeah. it might be. And they did that with the audio, long story short. So the company that actually recorded my book uh, is not McGraw-Hill. Uh, they did get an Emmy award-winning uh, actor to actually read the book, uh, but wow. it is not myself. So people who know me, and, and if they're listening, and they're like, oh, this doesn't quite sound like Brian and his tone. Uh, it's not, you know, unfortunately, I'm not really connected to the audio version other than just providing the content. Um, yeah. But it's... <laughs> For authors out there, it's an interesting experience. The narrator is Kent uh, Kleinman. Correct. Kleinman. I don't, I don't know. How do you pronounce his name? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't want to mispronounce it. But uh, I think one of the funny things is we sound quite different. Um, so <laughs> a lot of people that think, oh, I, I know Brian. I know what he's saying. And then it's almost like... Uh, it's a different tone. It's a different narrator. So it's the same yeah. book, but it can almost sound a little bit different. So, uh, you know, I'd love to hear what people think of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Cause uh, I just always look and see sometimes some books I get myself. I've sometimes as well, even listen to the books first and audible and they don't got uh, the uh, paperback because then I thought I want to read this extra section and market and so on and, and uh, copy out stuff for, my own notes to think about certain things. And that's a great thing when you've got both options, um, which is a quite, I think quite a good advantage because sometimes, especially if you're flying or somewhere, you can listen to the audiobook uh, when you can't carry so much stuff. But most of the time you will have your phone with you and your headsets uh, and so on. And then you just quickly just go and get it and listen to it. And later on you think, oh, I need to read it now and pay yep. it back and ch check out this chapter again. And that's a great opportunity. So yeah, as yeah I was very I grateful that they were able to do that. Yeah, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'll, I'll add as well into the description as well the, the link to Amazon, so you can uh, so people can find the book and as well ISBN if they want to order the book at their lo local bookshop and so on. I'll add that everything so it's easy for everybody to find. Um, 
besides the book, if people want to get in contact with you, how can they get in touch? Do you have a website or how is it? Yep. Yeah. So anyone can stay in touch with me if they just go to briancaderna.com. So that's my mm -hmm. first name, last name.com, B-R-Y-A-N-K-U-D-E-R-N-A.com. Uh, they can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, it's just my name or the handles B Kaderna. So um, send me a tweet. You know, I'm, I'm always happy to keep in touch. And you can even sign up for my newsletter uh, anywhere as well. It's called Weekly Wealthy Wisdom. Uh, www. That comes out every week. Uh, you know, just jam packed with with some information to get your week started. Uh, so yeah, I hope to connect with you. Cool. Wonderful. So it was great having you here on the show, Brian, and I'm sure someone in the future will be discussing other topics. So thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me, Christian, and uh, yeah, let's keep in touch. So after you've heard the current episode, I would like to just um, make a few remarks. So you've been listening to all the different episodes that I've been publishing, and I've been giving you quite some nice advice here and there. I've had some guests that you might have listened to and thought, hmm, that's really interesting, and I should do this, I should do that. And OK, I've made a list, but how do I do it? Now, that's the tricky thing. I went to many courses over the last, let's say, 30 years or so, whether it was an IT marketing, backlink marketing, uh, SOE, Google advertising, and so on and so on. And so many things you can learn. It's crazy, especially if you are not a marketing agency, but you have a small business, medium-sized business, or you've just bought a company. And you think, okay, I have to take it over and have to improve the marketing. I want to increase the revenue and so on. It can be quite tricky. There are different areas. So we have to, of course, at the beginning, focus on one platform where we're going to do our marketing and sales activities. So the first platform, especially if you are in B2B, which means you are selling services or products to companies, you should go and Focus on LinkedIn, not Facebook, Meta, TikTok, and so on. That's no point. Yes, there are people there who are usually working as well in companies who might be your buyers. But in this case, I would say you're wasting your energy and your resources. So best thing and the simplest thing, if you want to get started properly, is focusing on LinkedIn and building up your profile, your content, and all these things. Now. I released recently a book based on all the stuff that I've been doing myself, that I've shown as well other entrepreneurs how to get it done. Because the thing is, you can spend so much money on people telling you, you have to do this and you have to do that, selling you courses, selling you uh, all sorts of crazy stuff. I once had a marketing agency. They sold me a service where the Artificial intelligence was supposed to get me more leads than I was getting now already on, on Google Ads. And it was supposed to cost me less. The end result was I didn't get a single lead. Of course, then I didn't make any sales, but the cost actually increased. 
And I compared it with my campaign that I was running at the same time for a different uh, region. And I was doing fine. Eventually, I had to kill that contract and do it myself as well for that region. And my numbers were then suddenly totally different. So that's interesting when you think of that. Sometimes people are selling you stuff that's just full advantage of them. There are plenty of great marketing agencies out there who can do a really good service for you. And I've used some of them. And they're great people to work with and deliver value and as well a great revenue. Some of them, I would even say, when they touch something, it becomes gold. But even they have the limitation. And if they cross the limitation border, there's no revenue return. Or let's say no return of investment. And that's how I think. Nevertheless, this book, it's called Social Marketing. Reaching your audience so they can buy from you with trust. Trust is very important in the buyer situation. And, and whether you sell online, on the phone, um, whether you're selling in person somewhere, you're on a stage or you're selling, uh, you've met people and then you're selling them through Zoom or Teams or whatever kind of platform, it doesn't matter. If you do not have their trust, it doesn't matter what you're selling, whether you're selling boots, stickers, um, models, aircraft, computer servers, phone systems, insurance policies, it doesn't matter. You are not going to generate enough revenue to survive. So this book, uh, you can get it on Amazon worldwide as paperback, ebook, of course, and hardcover. Can get it in the US, Canada, Australia, Germany, all over Europe, even Australia, even printed in Australia, which is awesome thing. And uh, let me tell you just the ISBN. I'm going to put it as well in the comments because some of you might get it wrong. Last time I, I did as well number the wrong number. So the ISBN code for the edition 2022, because I keep updating it every year, it's 97. Nine eight four eight eight six zero nine nine zero seven. Social marketing, reaching your audience so they can buy from you with trust. Simple to identify, black cover at the front at the top, you see a social media icons and um, yeah, there's a variety of other extra material I created as well. I have and as well as an add-on that you can get as well from Amazon, a social media planner. Makes it easier to, to be a bit consistent because if you start doing these things and you don't have the space to have like whiteboards and all the things, you lose track. It's normal. You can't otherwise avoid it. So the planner is nice and easy. It's a letter format, A4 format, demanding where you order it. And then you can nicely fill it out. This is well a smaller version as well, a pocket version, which I like as well, because you can always take it with you. And if you're traveling, you can you always find space. Now, this book is, is actually quite heavy. Um, and that explains as well, step by step, how to do the things, not only what you have to do, but how and why. That's so important. People keep telling them, hey, you have to do this and you have to do that. And, and then they show you flashy stuff. And they don't actually spend explain why. Now, this book has 252 pages. 
crazy, crazy way of thinking. How much stuff? And it's really filled. There are no white pages. At least I don't see any here. And yeah, lots of screenshots, pictures, and as well marked where you have to click on things, make it much, much easier for you. I firmly advise you, if you want to do these things sincerely and properly for yourself, get yourself a paperback because what I usually like, I, I take these um, sticker markers, you know, these stickers that are different colors, and then I stick them in the books. I'm reading at the moment a book about cybersecurity, and there I mark as well different pages like that, and it's for me easier as well to find things. And on these stickers, you can write as well some codes and so on. Makes it a bit easier to keep track. And the paperback is printed in grayscale. The, the hardcover is color. So if you want to have color and see the pictures in color, then spend a few dollars more and you'll get the, the color version. Um, of course, you can go and get the paperback and then afterwards uh, the ebook. If you want to see exactly how the stuff looks in, in color, the ebook is well an alternative. But um, I would take foremost the, the paper version, just easier as well to make marks in it. And you can remark or put a paper in and helps you to keep focused. So use that. It should make things much easier for you because um, the book really shows you how to do the things, why, what to look out, which mistakes to avoid. And then you can do it all by yourself. And yeah, I'm applying all these things in the book as well. I'm showing as well some advanced thing because at a certain point you change your strategy, but that's all shown in the book. <clears throat> and just do it. Simple. When you think of it, it's, it's crazy. I think the book costs, I think it's $20 or $19, $25. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> um, the paperback, the hardcover is more expensive, of course, different print. But uh, yeah, so enjoy it. Get it on Amazon online. You can get it otherwise. Um, Barnes & Noble has it as well in the US. I think Waterstones in the UK has it and some other um, retail. Otherwise, with the ISBN codes, you can as well go to a local bookshop and um, order it through them when you have the ISBN. But the easiest thing, go on Google or look as well on my profile website. I've got meetchrisbarge.com. There you will find as well all the other books. And, and I'm adding some more books and some little guides that I use as well for myself, time planner and things. Makes life easier. You don't have to reinvent everything, but I like adjusting them so that it fits more to the way I do it. And it's, I think, more convenient. fits. So just go and get the book and, yeah, work through it. Put marks and get yourself for a good start. And even if you've already started your business, increase the level how you look at and how you let others perceive you. You will notice it increases you, your outgoing way, and saves you a lot of pain. Tire kickers and all the other things that you dislike in those platforms means if you approach it professionally in all kinds of matters, you have less of those issues, but you have to keep to it. Simply follow the guides and the tips and so on in the book. It's 252 pages. You can't go wrong. It's a lot of text. It took me a long time to write, but yeah, 
Um, I have some friends in, in Toronto as well who are using it and uh, in UK, South Africa and so on. They're all applying it and, and quite happy because they just need the book. And if they have some questions, of course, you can ask me. But I think the book answers it pretty well. Yeah, you could do it all by yourself. So see you or hear you soon and have a great day. I hope you enjoyed today's edition of The Growth Zone Show with Christian Bartsch. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review or rating here on iTunes or on podchaser.com. If you found the content helpful, then share it on social media, please. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming interviews with leaders in the market. Simply visit the website meetchrisbarch.com. I will be adding the link into the description of this episode so that you just need to click on that link. On my website, you will also find the links to free templates. If you're looking for the books I have published on marketing, innovative technology, and sustainable business strategies, just simply click on publication to find my book list. The world is constantly changing in response to trends and events. As a business leader, you need to bypass the sandbanks that can hurt your performance. For those of you who are signing up to follow the show, I have reserved a few copies of my ultimate guide on content marketing and an ESG compliant cheat sheet. This is the strategy that got me top corporate clients like McDonald's, Linde, Hewlett Packard, Deutsche Bank, Volvo and many others. That strategy has been working for over 10 years and also got me contacts with police, transport authorities, military and several universities and even leading research institutes. For sure, it also worked wonders as it got me many small, medium-sized enterprises and international clients around the world. The link to sign up to our free broadcasting service and the guide is at meetchrisbarch.com. That will give you access to the most recent versions of my ultimate guide on content marketing. You can follow me on Twitter by using the Twitter handle Cap Barge. It's spelled C A P B A R T S C H. Yes, that is C A P Barge, or spelled Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel.